0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, welcome. Field of 68 after dark, kind of early uh, evening edition, not a lot of great games, but uh, we welcome in the debut of the Hall of Famer to the Field of 68, Jim Beheim. Uh, Jim, thanks for joining us. And uh, I know you're prepping for your, your big ESPN debut uh, later this week. So hopefully uh, Terrence Oglesby and myself can can help get you ready for it. And uh, we're, we're going to discuss plenty of things today, whether FAU is back, whether Kenny Payne makes it through the season, also my top 10 craziest fan bases, and who gets the nod from Jim Boeheim, uh as to his craziest fan base. Uh, But first guys, we got to start with FAU because I I think they're back and they lose to Bryant and everybody's like, what the hell is going on with this team that returned everything from last year's final four squad. But then they go to Orlando down the road for Thanksgiving and they absolutely dominate. Uh, They win. They beat Butler. uh, They beat Texas A&M, a really good Texas A&M team. And then they pound Virginia Tech today to win the ESPN events invitational. Um, Are they back, Jim? Like, are you convinced now that that was just one of those games against Bryant that was kind of a a blip and maybe they weren't really focused going into that game? Because again, you know, everybody's telling them how good they were in the off season.
2: You can have a game like that early in the year. Uh, Michigan state's done in the past where they lose to somebody you just don't think they possibly could. And then they, they're in the tournament. And they make a run to the Sweet 16 or even Final Four. So, yeah, that can happen. Uh, Bryant has got some players. They're they're not as strong this year as they've been, but they're they're pretty good. But FAU, when you go do what they did last year and bring all these guys back and you go down and play in this tournament, Butler's good. I mean, you know, Butler's a pretty good team. Texas A&M, I think, is at least a top 20, top 15 team maybe. And then Virginia Tech's down a little bit. Their front line is not as good as it's been. But to beat them like that, uh, 30-some points, yeah, they're legit. They're they're there. But, you know, they're one of 30 teams. That's college basketball, the transfer portal, NIL, everything. Everybody's got some players. Everybody's pretty good. There's some teams that were – nobody thought would get there. They brought in three or four transfer portal guys. And all of a sudden they're pretty good in, the transfer portal affects everybody. I mean, North Carolina has got, I think, four guys from the transfer portal and they make them deeper and better than they were. Uh, but look around the country at some of the teams playing well, and you look at two or three transfer portal guys on each one of those teams. And, uh, that's because college basketball right now, but you have to really like what the coach has done at Florida. I mean, he's done a great job there, got those guys to stick around. He stuck around, and, you know, they're a legitimate top 20 team, maybe better.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Tio, my biggest question was Elijah Martin because he missed time in the preseason with a stress reaction, and he struggled out of the gates big time against Bryant and even before that, Um, over the last few games, he's looked like Elijah Martin again, and they were without Nick Boyd. But for them to be great, he has to be great, in in my opinion. Uh, What's the key for you, for FAU, being able to, I don't know, duplicate? Because, again, to say they're going to go to another Final Four is, is insane. But to have another really, really good year.
3: The thing is, is they're so good at all the other things. Like they score, sure, they have some go-to players, sure, but Dusty's done a great job of getting those guys to all be on the same page all the time. And with Golden, they can compete with you from a size perspective. And I'm not sure, are they back? I don't think they ever left. I think Bryant took the air out of the ball because they have a guy named Earl Timberlake who was at Miami, then was at Memphis. And even before that, that's a DeMatha kid who was a McDonald's All-American. So Bryant has a guy that can control the tempo of the game. And sometimes that can get away from you, even at home early in the season. I don't think they've gone anywhere. And then for them to come out and beat Virginia Tech like that, that that tells me two things. One, they're locked into a scouting report because, as Coach knows, Mike Young runs some really good stuff. Another thing is, is they were guarding one on one because Sean Padula is a tough sucker, too. We talked a little bit about Joe Girard coming on coming down to Clemson before we started this show with Coach Beheim. Sean Padula is a dude, too, and he can create some on the ball. He can find his teammates. They also have Hunter Couture that when he's healthy, Virginia Tech's significantly better. That tells me they were locked in defensively and they're guarding the ball at a high level. The offense is going to find itself because they're also familiar with each other. I, I don't think they ever left, but if they get the air taken out of the ball a little bit, when you play somebody like a Bryant who has one key guy in Timberlake who was really good in that particular game, then you can slow them down a little bit. But they're scoring eighty-four points in the championship game. I, I, Dusty May's not going anywhere. They never went anywhere to begin with. And the fact that, like Coach said, they kept everybody kept everybody there, and Dusty stayed as well. That says a lot about kind of the thing that they're building down in Boca.
1: Listen, Boeheim wouldn't be leaving Boca either if he had a chance to, uh, to coach down there. He'd be, he'd be there forever.
2: I'm in Syracuse, New York. That's the kind of the northern Florida Boca kind of place. you know. You just Same thing.
1: That's right. Same thing in the winter. We're, we're actually going. Jim, this week we're doing field of 68 tip-off um, in, in Boca at FAU. There's going to be three games. It starts Thursday with FAU against Liberty, who's been awesome. Richie McKay has done an incredible job. They're undefeated there, so that Thursday game is gonna be an absolute uh, war down there. Uh, Another game that was a war today, believe it or not, was Louisville against New Mexico State. And uh, let me give the background on New Mexico State. Last year, they shut down the program, three quarters of the way through the year, because um, there were serious hazing issues going on down there. So they shut it down. Terrible, terrible story. Yeah, I mean, it was disgusting. The things going on in, in that locker room were disgusting. And uh, so they, they fired the coach, Greg Heyer, and the new coach, Jason Hooten, came in, and he cleaned house completely. Not one player back. Not one player back from last year's team. So, you know, today they come in, they play Louisville, and uh, – their, their their wins were not very good coming in, New Mexico State. They had beaten, I don't know if you've heard of this team, Jim, Sol-Ra State. Sol-Ra State and Western New Mexico, those were two of the three wins for New Mexico <laughs> State. But they took Louisville to overtime, and they had a chance to win, actually, in regulation. They were up like eight points with about a minute and change left. And then here's what I want to know. So they fouled out six guys. Six guys fouled out in New Mexico State plus their best player was hurt. So he didn't play. They ended the game the last like 20 or so seconds with four players. Louisville ends up winning it overtime. Have you ever seen anything like that? Have you ever played a game where either you or the other team in all your years of coaching had four guys in the court?
2: I've never seen that. 47 years I haven't seen that. I remember when Paul Westhead was at LaSalle playing his ultimate fast break offense he used to play defense with four guys and leave one guy down the other end of the court and even once in a while paul would put three guys uh, on defense and two guys down the other end of the court but I, I never played a game where the other team
1: just had four guys so what what's your take well first of all To, ha- have you ever been a part of this overseas anywhere no no nothing
3: I've seen some crazy things, too. I've seen a general manager rush the floor argue with a or argue with an official, and they didn't kick him out. They just let him go back to his seat, which was odd. I've seen that happen. Uh, the only thing I can like bring to mind is when Colin Sexton in Alabama, they finished with three, and they still almost won. I think it was at Minnesota. I think it was at Minnesota. I can't remember. Something like that.
1: So, my uh, big question, because this is the hot hot-button topic. You were in the league, Jim. You know Kenny Payne probably a little bit. I don't know how well you know him because, again, he was he was at Oregon and Kentucky for the better part of his career than an assistant for a couple of years with the Knicks. He takes over an alum, um, and, and they're horrible last year. You were there for it. I mean, they were, they were terrible. They won four games. And this year, they have really struggled out of the gates with a completely different team, right? He had a chance to go in the portal. He ended up going with a lot of freshmen instead of going transfers heavy, like some other people. And they lose to Chattanooga, they barely beat UMBC. Uh, Now you, they play well in New York, actually. They fought Texas, they fought Indiana, I give them credit. And then they they take a step back today, where again, it it looked like the old Louisville team. Uh, I'm gonna ask you this question, even though I think I know how you're gonna answer it. Uh, Kenny Payne, his future at Louisville. I'm saying, listen, it's not working. Give them the rest of the year. If this thing doesn't turn around at all, I think you got to cut ties with them after two years.
2: I think it's too early. I think you have to give a coach taking over
1: uh, at least,
2: I think, three years. I mean, you can always make a case if this thing goes completely off the rail and, you know, they win five or six games, then, you know, then maybe you have to make a different just different decision they really should have beaten uh texas they had texas i watched that should have beat them could have could have and should have probably beat them and didn't but uh, so they are capable uh, of playing at a a better level Uh, i think you have to give the coach i think kenny Payne is a proven recruiter i think you've got to give him at least through this year before you even talk about it and he'd have to have a disastrous year this year for me to think about making a change. Uh, if they can get through with some signs of things going the right way, I think you have to give them the third year and then sometime during that year, you know, make some kind of decision. But I think it's too early, too early
1: to make that kind I've of call. Jim, I'm, I'm with you normally in, in almost every circumstance. You know what I say, give a guy four years, because honestly, they need, they need the full four-year recruiting classes, right? Get four of them. But I think in this situation, sometimes you just see things. And and I know you saw some effort, at least, you know, over last week in New York. I didn't think you saw it today. I thought New Mexico State just played harder, physical, more emotion, all of it. It just, again, I'm with you. I think you need to finish out the year and evaluate on effort. And if this team makes progress, T.O., are, are you – where are you on this? I'm, yeah, I mean, a,
3: you have to see. So go ahead, i I'm go. sorry. I jumped in. There. No, go, go ahead. It's all you, Coach. Go ahead. You got it. No, I think you
2: have to see something, progress for sure.
3: Uh, you know, it's not unusual.
2: I got to go way back in time, but when Rick Pitino left Providence after going to the Final Four, they hired a coach, and a year later they were losing by 30 and 40 points to oh, not even the top teams in the league, and they made a change after before the it? year was even over, uh, you, you know, it was a coach. Was? Yeah, I remember, but we don't have to bring up coaches now. <laughs> <laughs> Come well, it's like
1: a trivia question. I want to know who it was. He,
2: <laughs> coach Gordy Ch- Chiesa, and he went up to the NBA oh, and Gordy did a great job up there with Utah and yeah. uh, it just wasn't a good fit at province and what he tried to do didn't work. And I think sometimes you, you do make that kind of a move. But I think Kenny Payne is a proven recruiter. I, I think that they've got some good players. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to check the progress this year, for sure. But in yeah. Louisville, you know, they're used to winning. That's a, it's, it's not a place that's, you know, going to just sit back and wait. That's, you know, they're a basketball school. That's what they do, even though their football team's good, you know, this year. I don't want to get in trouble like Cal did with Kentucky. But, you know, uh, they're, they're, Known for basketball, I mean Denny Crum and Rick Pitino, and going back before that, you can go back in before that, Louisville's been a big-time basketball program. So, yeah, I mean they're gonna, there's gonna be some talk this year if they don't. They have to show progress. You know, there's no question about that. Hustle, coach. They
3: got to get double-digit wins. They have to get double-digit wins. Yeah, you
2: know, yeah. I mean, I I don't put a number, but yeah, they've got to. Yeah, that's not a big number. Yeah. I mean, they've got to even do a little better than that in the sense that you got to watch how they're playing. And they, they play like they play against Indiana. They play like North Carolina and Duke like that. That's great. That's great signs. But if then you come against one of the lower teams in the league and you lose at home, you know, I mean, that, that, that tells you something. But uh, let's be patient. Let's wait it out. Let's wait this year out. Let's see what happens
3: the the only thing that's irritating from the outside looking in coach is the fact that whenever they were as bad as what they were last season it crushed the metrics of the ACC and as an oh, ACC yeah. Guy, guy yeah a guy who played in the ACC that to me is really frustrating and i we're going to talk later about the top 10 craziest fan bases according to Jeff Goodman which i'm pretty sure is 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 who has the strongest twitter fingers if we're going to be honest about this <laughs> top 10 <laughs> fan base situation that's but uh yes. Louisville, Louisville—that that, that's a program that's won national championships, multiple. Oh, yeah. And whenever you're kind of talking about, hey, you know, they had four wins last year. Now they got three already this year. So kudos to them on that. They're about to match last season already. But <laughs> like, you got you got Bellerman coming in. I in my mind, coach, that's a must-win game because Bellerman's right down the road. Like, you want to yeah. be the the University of Louisville? Like Bellerman's trying to take that from you especially right now, and they do a good job over there, and they're tough to defend, and you have to be locked in the entire time. I thought last season that's when Louisville started to unravel a little bit because I felt like the players felt like they were getting picked apart in that game because Bellerman just doesn't dribble, uh, and it's yeah. the, one of the most unique styles of play I've ever seen. And I, I felt like that was kind of defeating to them. They, they need to win that game, in my opinion. And then they need to, they need to reel off – they, there has to be 10 to 12 wins it, because if there's not, then I don't know if there's enough progress for a fan base in Louisville that's going to be like, okay, let's give him one more. That's the thing that scares me about the whole thing.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. No question.
1: All right, another team that has uh, kind of rallied lately. They lost to Texas AM and early in the season, um, second game of the year at home in Columbus, Ohio State. They went down to Florida, Emerald Classic, and, and – Put 92 on Alabama, and then crushed Santa Clara. Good Santa Clara team that, Jim, you know the coach over there. He can coach, yeah. Herb said. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. Bruce, Bruce Thornton was terrific. Uh, played like one of the better point guards in the country, and, and he's underrated and goes from freshman to sophomore year, and he has this to take a step up now. And then Roddy Gale, talented. Yeah. Talented, was really good in the Big Ten tournament last year. Didn't get a lot of run as a freshman during the regular season, he had 23 against Bama. Um, you know, it was Jamison Battle, the Minnesota transfer, that had a good game against Santa Clara kind of led him. But to me, this is kind of a different team in that they've got a lot of guys who can hurt you, and they're not quite as young, not quite as reliant on freshmen as I think they were last year. How hard is it these days, Jim, to, to have these freshmen – going up against some of these 23-, 24-year-olds that, that have gotten the extra COVID year?
2: Well, there's no question. It's a huge factor. That's how these transfer portal guys have really helped and boosted some teams, uh, giving them that experience. And you're trying to build with freshmen and sophomores. It's hard to beat those guys. The thing with Ohio State, and there's two things. Uh, Ronnie Gale hardly played last year. He's from our area, good high school player, You know, I don't think he averaged six points a game last year at Ohio State. He stuck it out, worked hard, and he's probably averaging 20 points a game this year, which is a great example for guys to take a look at. And when you're not playing a lot as a freshman, just stick it out, work hard your next year. uh, I'm not against transfers, but... Rodney Gale is a perfect example of a guy that stuck it out and now is having a great start to his sophomore year. The other thing at Ohio state is you just look at the coach, the coaches. He's one of the good coaches in the country. He wins. He's going to win. Yes. He's won with all different kinds of players. He won at Butler. He's winning here. He's a tremendous basketball coach. So you have to take those things into consideration when you look at Ohio state and, uh, you know Texas a and good. anybody can lose to them. Buzz Williams is—he's one of my favorite people. He's different than everybody else, and sometimes that's good to be different than everybody else. For the first ten times I got near Buzz Williams, he walked up to me and says, uh, Buzz, I'm "Buzz Williams, coach, nice to meet you." And I said, "Buzz,
1: okay, I know who you are." <laughs> is different. He is unique, no doubt. They're—they're they're in a dogfight right okay. now, actually. Texas. Texas AM playing Iowa State. It's 52 51 with about uh, at the under eight timeout in uh, the cons- uh, consolation game down there in, in uh, Florida, right? Another
2: good coach in you know, Iowa State. That's the thing that I think the media gets wrong. There's a lot of good coaches.
3: You know, A lot of really good. I
2: coaches. Mean, a lot of really good. You don't get to be a coach at a top 100 program unless you. Figured out how to coach and got there, and then the difference, of course, is you know players. It's the bottom line. You know, once you uh, once you uh, get to a certain level in coaching, you know it's then it then it comes down to players. And you know, I mean, I you can give a main examples. Bob Knight was one of the great coaches I've ever seen. He's in the top five all time, no matter whether you like him or not. And, you know, he had some years where he won 15, 16 games. He's, you know, he just – other guys had better players. And, um, you know, coaching can make a difference. Uh, but if you're coaching in a league with other good coaches, you know, you're not out coaching them if you don't have players that are pretty good. It's as simple as that. But Ohio State, you know, the guy, he's really good. Really good coach. Um, been He's, he's going to win. He, some coaches – You just can know they're going to figure out their team and you'll be surprised if they're not in the tournament at the end of the year. It can happen, but it's a surprise a little bit.
3: Jeff, I think it helps because I'm a massive Holtman fan as well. I think he's a really good coach. They were a little down last year. But I think you brought up Bruce Thornton. That's a great point. I mean, you got a point guard who's absolutely solid. He's 6'2", 220 pounds. He could be playing outside linebacker for Ohio State, for God's sake. And you have that 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 steadying force for the rest of that team that has talent. And now that Bryce Sensobal's gone, he's with the Utah Jazz now, you have other guys that can take that step forward. Roddy Gale's been the beneficiary of that. That's a huge piece. And then you look yeah. at – you, you know, in my mind, I, I really liked Jameson Battle when he was at Minnesota. I thought he was relied on a little bit too much in that system there. Now that he gets to be second and third fiddle, depending on the night, I think that hugely benefits him because he's a terrific catch and shoot player. He can score a little bit in the post, but he's better if he's playing off somebody. Andy's better when he's put in positions to be successful. And I think there's not many coaches in college basketball right now better at putting his guys in positions to be successful than Chris Holtman. So Ohio State's really good. And now they have that nice mix of veteran and some younger players that I think really helps facilitate and move things forward. And you guys said it, that Santa Clara team's not bad. I mean, they've got the (laughs) Cafaro kid that transferred over from Virginia, Adama Ball, I I believe he was – at Arizona. Arizona, correct me if I'm wrong there, yeah. Jeff. He was at Arizona. Uh, Jalen Benjamin's a good player. Like, there's there, there, there's talent there at Santa Clara, and they beat the brakes off of them because they out-physicaled them. So this Ohio State team's good. And in a year where the Big Ten outside of Purdue has been kind of up and down, truth be told, depending on the night, uh, and that's a league that's typically really good or early, Ohio State has a shot to be up towards the top of that league. Well, you hey, know, Tim. we've said
2: it. I, I think you need to really reemphasize the transfer portal helps everybody. Like it yeah. helps Santa Clara; they got th- two or three yeah. really good players on the transfer portal. And it, you know, I don't. Nobody likes the transfer portal. Nobody likes some of the NIL stuff. But yeah. it's it is going to help your team if you use it in the right way. Miami's done the best job of that in our league. I think Clemson getting Joe Girard from Syracuse. They haven't had a shooter like him that can do other things and make plays. I think he's going to be a significant uh, factor for Clemson this year. And you, Jameson Battle, same thing. You get North Carolina getting the kid from Stanford. You know, I mean, the kid from Brown hasn't played well yet, Wozniak, but he, he'll get better. Um, I think you, you look at some of these teams, and Purdue comes to mind right away. The first time I saw the kid from Southern Illinois in that first game, he made some plays that won the game for them the first night that they couldn't make last year. And they're, they're pretty good. Edie's gotten better. Their other guys have gotten better. And then the transfer kid, you know, well, he's a, well, he's a defensive player of the year and, and player of the year in that in the, in the league for Southern Illinois. And, you know, here he is, just made a huge difference for Purdue.
1: All right. Let's go with our our quick, not too lengthy, uh, most impressive teams during Feast Week. I'm going to start. I'll probably steal one of yours here, but I'm going Villanova. You know, they lost to Penn. I figured we probably all are going to say Villanova, but we can weigh in on them anyway, because (laughs) they they were great. Like even before Feast Week, they go down and they pounded Maryland and held them to 40 points. Then they go to the Bahamas and they beat Texas Tech. It's not great, but they're dangerous. Carolina, and then they smack the hell out of Memphis. 44-16, I think, at half. So, to me, that might have been a blip for Villanova. I still don't know if I completely trust their point guard play, but I'm not sure they can't figure it out without a high-end point guard and can figure it out with, like, different guys initiating the offense and they've got so many guys that, to me, know how to play that I think that takes some of the pressure off having a de facto point guard, gym. Yeah.
2: Well, they don't need a point guard. They use the isolation play that Jay started, uh, and they still use it. And it's not really – you don't need a point guard. It's the, you got to have a guy that can – post up and back people down and either score or get the double team, and they have a couple guys that can do that. So, yeah, I like their team there. I I would pick Purdue, though, as being the team that's been most impressive to me. Uh, First of all, the Maui Classic in Honolulu is the best tournament I've ever seen. I've been around for a lot of tournaments, and we were able to win a couple of them over the years, but I haven't seen a tournament that good where you had to go out and play – the three games that they had to play. And Purdue really impressed me. I think Edie's better. I think the transfer kid, their other guards are better. Um, I mean, I, I like their team. Uh, if there's a team with a big guy that can go a long way, it's. I think it's Purdue. Um, I, I really liked what they did out there. That was a super, super tough tournament.
1: T.O., yep, hey, with me? With hard, to, hard
3: to argue there. Say again,
1: are you with me with Villanova or where, where are you? I,
3: I first of all, thoroughly impressed with Purdue. And, and I, I think the evolution of Braden Smith, being able to handle pressure, especially when they played Tennessee, that can get after you in so many different ways. And when I – they play man, I get that. But they can throw so many different bodies at you. Zakai Ziegler can get up underneath you and cause you to get off balance. They can switch everything. And Josiah Jordan-James can be, try to get up and beast you a little bit. Like, they attack you in a lot of different ways defensively. And playing Rick Barnes, I mean, you're you're, you're going to get chucked on the jump. Like so, it's it, it. It takes a second to really adjust to that. I, I was impressed with their guard play. Now, it wasn't this run and jump style that has given them problems in the tournament. I think Marquette actually showed them that as well because Marquette likes Shaka likes to throw a little two two one. They'll do a one two one one full court situation. A 1-2-2. One, one two two. They'll mix up pressures. So I think that was the closest thing they'll get to when it comes to like playing some of these smaller teams at some of the lower levels that they've struggled with. And I thought Purdue handled it really well. I was going to say Villanova, but coach changed my mind because the different ways that Purdue was able to beat you. And let's be honest in that Tennessee game, which was more rugby match than it was actual basketball. Like, they embrace that physicality. Those younger guards played well. Fletcher Lawyer stunk one night and it was terrific the next night. His ability to just wash that off told me a lot about him. And then you throw into the fact that coach, I agree with you, Lance Jones, the transfer from Southern Illinois, he adds a different degree of burst to that team. That let's be honest, last season weren't the most athletic and that, that hurt them at times last year because they mm-hmm. didn't have anybody that could break down the defense whenever teams sat on some of your set plays. Well, Lance Jones gives you a little bit of that. And then to be honest with you, some of these other guys, I thought uh, Caleb First played really well. Some of the things that he does doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. He goes up, he boards, he's physical. He does a lot of good things for them off the bench. Uh, Purdue's a handful. And the additional Lance Jones, it helps them a lot. But I think really the key is Braden Smith's evolution. Uh, as this season progresses,
2: well, I think All the right, other so thing you look at, if you Go look ahead. at that and then you look at that tournament, those could have been third round games, say in the NCAA or fourth.
1: Yeah. So maybe 100%.
2: Maybe, and although Purdue did win, it could have gone the other way. It sure. wasn't like Purdue is dominant. They could have lost those games. And that just tells you a little bit something about what's going to happen this year in the tournament. You get into the game against Marquette or Tennessee, um, you know you're gonna. It's gonna. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be easy. And uh, a team like Purdue might be. I'm guessing they'll be number one in the country most of the year. I think based on what I've seen from them and the Big Ten, Um, but they could lose in the third, third game, fourth game in the tournament because that's college basketball, and I mean that's why we kind of like it. You know, Penn isn't Penn's lost since they played Villanova twice, and you know, and they had a squeaker, I think, just recently against somebody else that isn't that good, and that they beat Villanova. Some of that's local knowledge, maybe, but uh, yeah, I mean, Villanova doesn't have the big guy. They don't have the true point, maybe, but I mean, they have their weaknesses too. But you look around, and it's everybody has them. Everybody, everybody has everybody. strengths. Everybody. Every, I mean, I thought Texas was really, really good, and they should have lost to Louisville, you know, no question. So, yeah, you, the, the thing about the Transfer Pro, you get these new guys and it helps your team, but they're also new guys. So, you know, you don't have that veteran group uh, that's been there all the way through. And uh, that's why you, you have to like Purdue a little bit. They have so many guys back. Florida Atlantic has so many, or you know, has so many guys back. Uh, that that's always gonna help your team, no question about that.
1: All right, you, you you've been very positive so far in the first half hour, Jim. This is you know, people are watching this and be like, retired life is treating him well. He's he's saying keep Kenny Payne forever and talking about everybody <laughs> getting extensions and everybody's great. All I'm right. Who, who I was the team, who the team over the last week or so that you kind of worry about now that that did not do very well, kind of the opposite of your Purdue.
2: You know, I it's so early. I'm trying not to even make a judgment. Early, I'm a little surprised that Rick hasn't got St. John's playing a little higher level. But when you kind of look at it, they, they have all new guys. You know, they, they just got a guy, a really good player back from injury. So I think St. John. I think I still love St. John's. I think they're going to get there um, without any question. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised that Michigan State gets off to a slower start. That's Tom Izzo's. Traditionally, taking a little while to get his team where it where it will get to, uh, and his team will get there. So it's a little early to to start to talk about somebody yep. a team that's not there yet. I mean, Arkansas wasn't very impressive uh, in the games I've seen that, from them. Yeah, yeah, they've fine. got a lot of new guys, a lot of new guys, and. It's not that easy to just turn it like that when you have six, seven new guys. I mean, I give those coaches a lot of credit that can do that and bring so many guys in. And you can do it because you have the summer now. It's a little bit easier to get your team ready because you have the summer and the September, October period before you get to play. But, uh, yeah, Arkansas has been, you know, I mean, I think they'll get going. They've got good players, but certainly they haven't gotten off to a, to a great start. I'm sure that Coach Musselman would agree with
1: that. Theo?
3: Uh, I'm going with a team that I think is going to figure it out, and I'm going to stay glass half full here. But I thought Virginia uh, losing badly to Wisconsin and then barely beating an undermanned West Virginia team that's real. <laughs> after all that happened in the in the offseason. I think that's – it wasn't a great look, it's specifically for a guy who has touted the ACC as the third or fourth best league in the country. Oh,
1: no, no, <laughs> I'm changing
3: it. I'm changing it as we're going. Hot take show. Hot take show. Uh, no, it's – I, that doesn't help the metrics uh, to get beat that bad by a Wisconsin team that's reeling a little bit. With to be honest, yeah. one of the most surprising no shows of the season with Connor Isigi and kind of not playing, and we had to ask him, but Greg Gard didn't make him available to the media, so that was we're trying to figure that out. Um, no, I, you know, West, I, I think Virginia because of that loss to Wisconsin in the manner in which they lost down at uh, for the Fort Myers tip-off, I believe, and and you know a West Virginia team who's. Uh, look, To be candid, not great and dealing with some different things and shorthanded. That's a team that Virginia needs to handle. But because of their style of play, they're going to fall into those things. They're going to play closer to teams and they probably should because everything's slow. It's methodical. They're not going to beat teams by 15. And if they get down by 10 points, they're not exactly geared to be able to make comebacks either. So that's that's a hard part. But you expect them to be closer to a team like Wisconsin who's similar in their approach.
2: I like Virginia – I like Virginia long run, but they're certainly they lost a lot more than people mm-hmm. realize uh, uh, from last year's team. Those those guys were pretty good, uh, veteran guys Gardner and the point guard who was there for ten years. Uh, I think it's <laughs> it's hard to replace some of those guys. If anybody can figure out Tony Bennett will, he's the best defensive coach in the country without any questions in my mind and really one of the best i've ever seen in the half court defensive you know principles you have to have um and he'll get it figured out they're not as good though they've lost a lot i mean they Mm. you really look at their lineup uh you know, they lost the majority of the guys that did a lot of the work for them. So it'll sure. be interesting to see how they come around. And certainly in the ACC, Miami brought back a lot of guys and they added a really good, really good player from Florida State that really, I think in the long run, is going to really help them, uh, you know, to, to get there. But, um, you know, again, it's uh, – there's always somebody disappointing. And then of the two or three teams that we might mention, probably one of them will turn around and have a really good year.
1: And that happens too. (laughs) They they all may have a good year. I mean, that's the thing. You're not counting Tony Bennett or Eric Musselman. Um, You're not counting them out, but Mus, you know, the one thing is you keep digging yourself a hole early with all these new guys. Eventually I think it could catch up with you. And I think, could this be the year? Because they don't have a great shooting team. And, and I hope Tremont Mark is healthy. Obviously, he was healthy enough from the back fall to, to go home with his team. But that just means, you know, obviously it wasn't really serious. But he still may have some some lingering back issues from that fall. And he had 34 points in that game and carried them. Devo Davis has really, really struggled offensively so far. I don't know how many other weapons they have right now. I love Brazil, but he's still kind of finding his way right now. So, you know, Arkansas is a team that again they always come on late. I mean, L Ellis, the transfer you saw for a couple of years at Louisville, yeah. Tim. He in the three games, he didn't score a point. He didn't score one point in those three games uh, down in the Bahamas. So, I am a little bit worried about the the Razorbacks uh, because again, I think we just expect them come January. That Mus is going to figure it out because he always has, and I don't know if you can keep keep doing that.
2: I think Battle will help them too. He's a proven scorer, um, but you know, L is the kid from Louisville is a good example. I always use with NBA guys. You know, when there's a guy averaging twenty two points a game and his team's in last place, you know, every team has a leading scorer. That doesn't mean he's a good player. <laughs> the worst team in the NBA is going to score a hundred. Points right, ninety six points. Well, yes. somebody's got to get twenty in the, on that team or more. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're necessarily a good NBA player. They're just on a team that needs him to allows him to score twenty points. So mm-hmm. that's sometimes you see guys come up in in the, particularly in college come up to a higher level that are leading scores at the you know good lower division one school and they they average four points a game because they're up at a different level. And yet some guys can come up, and they they, they do make a difference. It's it's, it's really a interesting to look at when you look at the transfer and you realize of the 1,800 kids that transferred, 300 didn't get scholarships. And of the rest, the 1,500 that transferred, this is a couple of years ago, less than half scored more points where they transferred to than where they were. And people don't talk right, about it. When we them. come
1: back next on After Dark, we're going to hit Jim Bayheim with the big question. Who was his favorite player of all time that he coached? And it can't be a, a guy named Bayheim. All right? It cannot be a guy named Bayheim. Next. In the first field of 68 tip off, three of the preeminent mid major programs in the country, three of the best coaches November 30th, Liberty versus FAU. December 1st, Liberty versus Charleston. December 2nd, Charleston versus FAU up up-and-coming programs come together in a very, very creative entity.
4: There's a reason we're called the Field of 68, right? We want to cover all of college basketball.
1: We are calling it the Field of 68 Hip-Hop.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member of FDIC.
1: Jim, how, how important is having kind of that leader right now when you're going through this stretch and Having a guy that can kind of step forward and, and be that guy to take over.
2: We're the same team we've been all year. I don't see any I don't even understand that.
1: Well, I mean, it just doesn't you seem like... You think because the, you
2: come to Marquette and lose a two or three point game, you need a new guy?
1: No, I think it's, I don't. it's something that you have even said earlier on the year that you were able to kind of get away without it.
2: I don't think I said that. I've only been doing this 37 years, but I'm sure you've got more ideas of who we should play or who shouldn't play or who should lead or I think you ought to know by now. If you start asking me those questions, i just laugh at you. Go get your Pewets or someplace else. <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot that. that. And I didn't add that the well Marquette shot forty six free throws tonight and we shot eighteen. And by the way <laughs> them in the final of the Eastern Regional that year and won by 20, if you remember. Oh man. But that was one of your bad questions. You didn't ask that many bad ones, but that was one of your
1: bad ones there. <laughs> and I was young. It was 10 years ago. I didn't have gray hair then. You know, that was always the beauty though. When I went into a, a press conference with, with Bayheim TO, you had to be prepared because it didn't matter who you were from a student reporter to a veteran who had been doing it for 30, if you asked anything. And again, generally I would know better and walk out with Behaim after. If I had a question, I would walk out. So if he was gonna jump me, he was gonna do it one-on-one, not in front of, I didn't wanna be undressed in front of everybody. But uh, Jim, is it is it Pulitzer or Pulitzer? I, I, have we figured that out? I, I've never won one and I'm not gonna win one. So I don't know what the answer is to that.
2: You know, press conferences, for me, I i always kind of liked them because half of it was kind of kidding and half of it was serious. But, you know, the, and, and the thing that's interesting at Syracuse, we do have the best group of people, graduates coming out of here of any school in the country, and they're everywhere in the media and they're behind the scenes, they're up front. And if I would known these guys were going to get such great jobs, be in such great positions, I probably should have been nicer to them when they were here. But, you know, <laughs> Tariko, I was always nice to because he was smart and did a good job and, you know, guys like that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I always looked at press conferences as the way to get your my feelings about what really happened in the game out. And the only time I really got mad is when somebody asked me the question I just answered. You know, I already answered. They just answered that question. But uh, I've had 20 guys that went to school here that are out in the world doing radio, NBA, college, and they all said the same thing. You know, Coach, I knew I had to get ready for your press conference, and if I wasn't, it was going to hurt me, and that helped me. And so I guess I'm going to take that as a positive overall. That I helped
3: them. I've heard that I've heard that a lot too, Coach. I, I've, now that I'm working with some different personalities over at ESPN, and I've done games with some of these guys who are Syracuse grads, are like, "Hey, you better bring your lunch pail when Beheim's up there, because if you don't, <laughs> my man's going to get you." <laughs> so, the, so they were like, you know, there's some part, there's some parts. So it's like, man, you're nervous, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of egos coming from that communications building too, and I mean that in a good way because they're good, like you said. So like like the good thing is they know that if they don't bring it, you're going to get them, which is a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, obviously, you always wish you weren't quite as harsh in some situations. But you know, lose a game by two or three points on the road, you're you're not you're going in there, you're not happy, and uh, you know something like that, etc. I mean, if you didn't care that much about the game, maybe you wouldn't react that way. But I always, you know, I that's what I did. And that's all I cared about in terms of my professional life for 47 years. And you go into those things and you're mad anyway, starting out. And then if you, if it's just an innocent question, that's not, not just a little off, you you try not to react, but when you know, it's somebody, you know, trying to get you to admit you should be playing man to man or something instead of zone that happened a few (laughs) times. 47 years my favorite one is
3: it was it was in Clemson coach. Somebody's like, Did you ever think about getting out of the zone when you were down five? (laughs) We play zone, that's what we do. (laughs) It was was great because it was it was obviously a football guy who didn't know what he was looking at. So that's why interesting.
2: One of my great all-time quotes is you never ask Bobby Knight to play zone. Why do you have to ask me to play man to man? This is what we do. This is what we practice. And, you know, it's pretty simple. And we, we change it a little bit. We adopt to things. And overall, it was really good. The last two or three years, it wasn't as good. And it hurt us because we were good offensively. But two years ago, we went to the Sweet 16. So, I mean, it's not, it's been bad up here, but certainly. I think the game has changed enough. The shooters are better. The coaches do more things again. When we started out playing zone, there was coaches that did nothing. Literally, pretty good coaches did nothing against the zone. They like they literally spent all their time on their man-to-man offense. And when they got to see the zone, it's, they didn't have many options. Now coaches are a little bit better in terms of that, and there's better shooters. You know, there's no question about that. Uh, you can still play zone, but it's 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 really not as viable and the other thing about it most people spend 90 percent of their defense on their man-to-man and 10 percent on their zone well you you can't have a good zone if you do that you can spend if you're 50 50 maybe but man-to-man coaches cannot spend just 50 percent of the time on their man they're going to spend 80 90 on it and then throw the zone out there and wonder why it doesn't work you know yeah. it, it's just you have to practice it. Is uh, somebody once told me? You know, you're you're good at what you practice. You know, you, and you can't practice everything. The only guy that was good at zoning man to man was John Thompson at Georgetown, and that, that's he spent five hours of practice every day. We, you're not supposed to do that anymore. I'm not sure everybody knows that, but Georgetown literally that's spent why they had one-
1: Jim, Jim. That's why they had the slits on the doors for Georgetown, <laughs> so you couldn't even see it. Well,
2: They literally, if they practiced four hours, they spent three hours and 59 minutes playing defense. And they were a great defensive team. They were just as good in the zone as in the man to man or their press. That's what they were were good at. And really, I mean, really good at. And uh, I mean, they held really good teams to nothing when they were winning. And they had the right personnel, too. But it's hard to play both defenses. you know, one's going to be better, and uh, it's hard to have two good defenses, and that's why we switched to man-to-man. I thought we'd be better at it, which it was we were better at. It. We won the national championship playing all zone, and we won some other things. But uh, most coaches are man-to-man coaches, and that's what they played. That's what they were brought up playing, and that's what they know. That's what they're going to use.
1: Hey, Tio, the, the craziest thing was my phone rings the day after I get back from Marquette and uh, and I see Jim's number and I'm like, oh, Jesus, here comes round two. Like like I needed round two. I already had round one. You already made me look like a complete idiot. And now I got round two. I answer the phone and I'm ready to go. Right, I'm ready to go here. All right, I'm going to defend myself. And Jim, Jim apologizes to me. He apologizes. So he does have a soft side, that a lot of people oh. probably don't get to see, uh, but but it is there, Terrence. Trust me, it is there.
3: I believe it. I'm you don't have not. two. I'm you fun. don't have two. You don't have two kids that are successful without a bit of a soft side. I, I'm <laughs> going to throw that part out there. You got to have some. There's got to be some feel there. Got to be some feel. We have some guys that work at the Field of 68. Coach have no feel. Have no feel. <laughs> There's a few of us. That's, that's well,
2: number one, I'm funny. People don't know that, and. <laughs> I'm not the exact guy, you know. I always use the analogy, you know. Clint Eastwood shoots everybody on the, in the on the screens. He, he doesn't do that in real life, you know. What I do on the court during games and stuff—that's not, you know—that's just part of an act, you know. Coach Knight, I still refer to him most of the time as Coach Knight. The respect I have for him, but I I saw him give a couple of rants about just crazy rants, and his, and I was with him there, and he come over to me afterwards and says. That was pretty good, wasn't it? That was pretty good. <laughs> like he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. And and I remember he did that in Hawaii once, and he had a veteran team. He had Calvert Chaney and another big kid inside. And they were the last two that walked by me after I heard this rant because our dressing room was right next to each other. And they both winked at me like, we know what this is about.
1: <laughs> All right, I, I teased it before the break. Uh, give me your favorite player. Uh, that does not have the the, the last name Bayon?
2: You know, as a coach, you know, Dean Smith is a lot smarter than me. He would never name his best players or never name his favorite players. I named once, I I think I said Carmelo because he won the national championship, and Derek Coleman called me the next day and said, what are you doing? Well, you know, you can't name him the best player and all that. And he had a good point. He was pretty good. Uh, But, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite player or guy you – I mean, I'm just lucky. You you coach 47 years because you have a lot of good players. You have about 100 good players during that – really good players during that time. And, uh, I mean, I I just – I remember when Pearl left and uh, we had a pretty good group coming in and we had a sophomore point guard who had been completely untested because he couldn't get on the court because Pearl was there. And this kid, Sherman Douglas, came in and took us to the Final Four and had one of the great – he was all-league in the Big East three years in a row. And Pearl had been all-league three years in a row. We had the all-league point guard six years in a row in the league, and maybe that's why we won it a few times. But Sherman was one of those guys. He was what a really good player. They always asked me to pick my favorite point guard. I say Pearl Sherman. Sherman and Pearl. I mean, Pearl was the most – Exciting player I've ever seen. If you haven't seen him, you need to go back and Google a couple plays he made. And uh, Sherman was just—he led the league in, you know, assists, steals, three years in a row, and close in the top ten, maybe in scoring during those years. And uh, he was well, what a terrific player. But I would say the best player I ever played at Syracuse was Dave Bing. That way, I don't have to
1: argue. Smart, about smart answer. Yeah. Smart answer. Yeah, Twenty-nine hey, coaches.
3: Is, is there anybody who maybe didn't get the accolades that sticks out in your mind? Maybe, you know, the second guy off the bench or, or somebody that really brought value outside of, you know, Big East Player of the Year or ACC, you know, all ACC type deal. Is there is there anybody that sticks out in your mind when it comes to that maybe?
2: You know, when we won it, we had two guys off the bench, Josh Pace and Billy Edelin, who didn't get a lot of credit. And they We wouldn't have won the, the – Billy won yeah, the game good. and Josh the game. And, you know, just tremendous guys that could do certain things well and they fit in with our team. I mean, Carmelo and Jerry McNamara got a lot of credit, should get a lot of credit, but those two guys made plays in the Kansas game that really got us the national championship. And you need those guys. And we had a kid a couple of years ago, Marek Dolajai, who probably only averaged 10 points and six rebounds a game, but we went to the Sweet 16 and three Three NCAA tournaments in a row with him, because he just made plays. He played center, and at six nine, about one ninety, he played center and he took a charge against a guy named Zion Williamson. That if you haven't seen the play, you have to look it up because he stood in front of Zion was going from other side of half court, full speed, up. and he took the charge and he knocked under the all the way under the basket. He took it at to the foul line. And, you know, we win that game by a point at the end or a couple points at the end. But not many guys will step in front of Zion in, in the game of basketball. And I know – I don't know of anybody that would. So he was Nobody on the show. Just no. He just did <laughs> things that were, you know, little things, just little passes, little blockouts, little rebounds, just – that were amazing. And I remember when he came here, we took him almost sight unseen because we needed a guy and somebody had left her late at the end of the year. And I said, let's take this guy. He didn't have any, he was, we saw two minutes of tape and he came in and my sons played with him and said, dad, this guy's never playing here. That was like on a visit. I didn't, I couldn't watch him. And then Marek told me like, I don't expect to play here. And he's played and started. We I think that's his freshman year. We might have been missing state or something. I mean, it was, he just did things for you all the time. And he never thought he'd even play. And he started and played four years. And I should have let him go after before he had a COVID year. I should have let him, made him stay. Because if he had, we probably would have had a really good team instead of a or very not good team. So there's there's always guys like that. Coaches can go through the list and name guys that, just really major team and didn't get a lot of credit because he's rightfully uh, the, the superstars get most of the credit in Stevie Thompson was played with Derek Coleman and Sherman, those guys. And he was really a good player. He was six foot three and he, you know, he'd get six, seven rebounds and 12, 13 points. and couldn't shoot. And every game there, he'd be doing that stuff. And, You know, we won 120 games in his four years here.
1: Jim Beheim, after dark, we're going to come back and we're going to find out from Jim, if he were running the NCAA, if he were running college basketball, the one thing he would change. Next.
4: If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD200 and you will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly when placing your first wager of at least $10 with BetMGM. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD200. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game regardless of sport. You will receive $200 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Just make sure that you use the bonus code FIELD200 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today in the
1: first field of 68 tip-off three of the preeminent mid-major programs in the country three of the best coaches november 30th liberty versus fau december 1st liberty versus charleston december 2nd charleston versus fau three up-and-coming programs come together in a very very creative entity
4: There's a reason we're called the Field of 68, right? We want to cover all of college basketball.
1: We are calling it the Field of 68 tip-off. All right, Jeff Goodman here with Jim Beheim, Terrence Oglesby, Field of 68 after dark. And before we ask Jim the one thing he would change if he were running the NCAA, hey, Jim, so you you have 1,116 wins, all right? Coach K has 1,202. That's 86 shy. I know the NCAA tried to take some wins away from you. We don't give a shit about that. We're giving you the wins, obviously. But... So eighty, what I say, eighty six wins, eighty six wins shy of one of your good friends, Coach K, who's the all time. So, why not take another job here, four more years? I, I think you could do it in three years potentially, Jim, and and beat K. He thinks he's got this thing forever. Surprise him. Go get another job. It could be a low major job on the beach or something like that, and just and and beat him. Break the record. Even if I
2: even if I did, I still would never get the never. Recognize those wins. I don't have them. I mean, he's mad I don't, but uh, you know, those wins and I just have—they were gone for a reason. But I'm not getting into that whole thing now. Um, it's just one of those things you have to live with and uh, you come to accept. But uh, it's just one of the, you know, the NCAA is—you know—obviously, they're—they put us in a position that it's almost untenable in terms of what's going on in in college sports. And it just leads really to a breakaway almost of the top 80, 90 schools. And it it almost is inevitable. Um, It may may not happen this year or next year, but I don't see how it doesn't happen at some point because we can't make rules. There's nothing we can do about NIL, it's here. Uh, There's nothing we can do about transfer right away and play right away, that's here to stay. And uh, there's just not much that can be done in terms of changing those things. We have to adapt to them as best we can and uh, move on. So it's hard to, to really even talk about the NCAA right now because it's just, it's it's a, there's just nothing really uh, that they've been able to do over the last few years and or that I see they can do. If I was in charge of the NCAA – I wouldn't know what to do because there's nothing that you can do right now. Uh, The one thing I would say about the game, I think we should move to the 24 second clock because that's where the world is. That's where everybody, my son's playing overseas. My other son's playing the G league, the NBA, all the, all the world is playing on a 24 second clock. And I'm tired of hearing coaches say, well, we need the time to get a shot the longest teams like virginia was the longest teams a few a team a few years ago and they got a shot in 17 seconds. Most teams get a shot in 12 14 seconds or less. So mm-hmm. the fact that the idea that you need 24 seconds to get a good shot is just it's not true. It's just not true. And I think the game would be better you know everybody talks about not scoring enough and not doing this he's get more possessions you're going to score more points. You play a little faster, you'll score more points. I think this is a coaching myth that we need thirty seconds or thirty-five seconds or whatever. So I, I would change that. That's the big thing to change. I, I would probably widen the lane. I'd probably think about moving the three point line back a hair. I I don't never really liked it. I think
1: four quarters. Too, four quarters, yep. I never liked the four
2: quarters. I, I never was explained to me where I would like it. I kinda guess I never I really never liked it. I mean, that that's something a lot of people do talk about. But uh, I was always confused by the fouls. You could go right to the borderline, then not foul, and then the borderline again, not foul, whereas the old system, you'd be in the one-on-one. So I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, the 24-second clocks one I would just easily change. And then the other one is our game – they talk about it all the time but our game is too physical and the NBA is less physical you know i think they have to empower the refs call the fouls just they tell them to do it but as the season goes along it kind of gets lost and there's just more physical play than i think there should be that i would like to see but the 24 second clock is the is the main one
3: the points of emphasis yeah, yeah. are the points of emphasis until january and then it's just yeah. right back there. And then it's well, just right had, back to where it was.
2: I had a great official, one of the best I've ever had. Jimmy Burr and John Cal worked in our league to me. They were three of the best I've ever had. And they called the foul in one of our in the non conference, and one of my players was standing right there and I was there. And he says, All right, we we will call that <laughs> See, we get in the conference, we're not calling it. We're calling it right now. You know, and uh the Big East was really too physical back then. It's better now. Uh, but it was, you know, we had a couple of refs that worked our league and worked the ACC. And they said there's nothing comparison. The, this league, Patrick and all those guys were in the league. It was just, it was, it was, it was a, it was a battle for survival. Coach, what's
3: your take? What's your what's your take on this new charge rule, where ninety five to ninety seven percent of these block charge calls are now blocks? My thing was, well, I kind of like the charge call because it 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 gives a little power to the little guy because I'd get switched off in the post. That was my only thing I had. So, like, that's one thing. So that was that was a go to for me. But the other thing is, I thought instead of having the charge circle that close, you move that out two feet. You can still call it the same way. Because they're picking the they're picking, they're trying to get the first step on the one-two to a layup. They're trying to get you to that first step. If you move that charge circle out, you knock out that problem because then guys aren't taking off outside the charge circle. Does that make sense?
2: Well, you're not gonna like me at all. I think okay. everything should
3: be
1: everyone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Take it out of the game. That's a guy yeah. that coming over that's not gonna play defense. He's just coming over and stand there. So I say mm. you're trying to make a play for it or you, it's a, it's just a block. I mean, that's – I know there's – I mean, we've had success taking charge. I understand that part, but I just think it's it's. – you're not making a basketball play. You're coming over there and standing in front of somebody who's trying to make a good play. And the NBA, for a long time, they would not give you a, a call on that. They would call a block all the time. Now they've, they've changed a little bit, but I just – I hate that play. I mean, I just, first of all, it's a hard play to get right. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's not defense. It's coming over and standing there. And uh, so I'm again, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm, I would really like to see it out of the game. Uh, you're right. Maybe that's, move why you it
3: out. Lost the, that's why you lost the jacket at Cameron, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> that was the reason. <laughs> the real story behind it was they just called the play on the other end two minutes earlier. When we had better position, they called it a a block. And so there was no way I could let that one go down there. That We were on a 19-game winning streak or something. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what it was. But anyway, I just couldn't let that one go. And, you know, the the thing is everybody remembers that play. So I guess when you do something crazy, they do remember you for it, whether it's good. (laughs) I'm not sure whether it's good or bad, but they remember you for that play.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right, we're going to uh, – let's unveil uh, the craziest fan bases. All right, I put it together earlier today. I did it – I've done it for a couple years, and I really haven't updated it in a while. And honestly, I didn't have UConn in there, and and, and that's what made me change it. UConn is going out of their minds because I have them ranked like sixth (laughs) behind Duke. So they're out of their minds on Twitter. Now, part of this craziest fan base is is on Twitter as well, Jim. So it's not Mm. purely in person, but I will tell you, I know you're looking at this and being like, how the hell is Texas Tech that high? They're nuts. You've probably never been to Lubbock. Those fans are out (laughs) of their effing minds. (laughs) Out of their minds in every way. I mean, I was there a couple years ago when Chris Beard went back there when he was in Texas. And uh, the only thing that might rival it is Ed Cooley going to Providence on, I think it's January 27th this year. That, that might be close.
2: That'll be close. I'll tell you, it's funny. Yeah. It's because if you look at just in-person places, we played at Arkansas and it was a good place to play, but um, they had a good team. We had a real good team. We won, but um, I thought, You know, Duke, as far as a place to play, those people are crazy. They jump the whole game. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is an underrated place to play. They're they're up the whole game. They have more space. They have the whole sideline and behind the basket at Pittsburgh for students. Some places they move the students up. But, I mean, you're talking – I think you're really talking with this list the overall craziness of the fan base, yes. uh, not yes. just in the games. And Kentucky is number one. I mean, I've been to Kentucky. Every time I go to Kentucky, They, wherever you are, you can be in a, a dark room someplace with four people in it, and the three of them are going to come over and talk to you about basketball. You know, it's, this yeah. is the way it is. And uh, there's no place like Kentucky uh, in terms of fan base basketball. This is what we are this is this is all we are this is what we live and breathe they're one and there's nobody behind Connecticut has a great fan base there they really do they always have and uh, you know when Jim Calhoun took that job one thing Bill Guthridge always said the most important thing when you take a job is the fan base number one not recruiting not money and think about it. When Jim Calhoun went, the year before we played at Connecticut, they were mediocre, below 500, 500, and the Hartford Civic Center was sold out. Sold out. So wow. that's what you need. You need that base, and that's yeah. that's crucial. Did
1: when, you you think any, of all, when you took over at Syracuse, when you took over at Syracuse, no. what was it like, the fans? Well, base. we were sold out
2: because we had a 9,000-seat building, Manly Fieldhouse, which I never wanted to leave because we were sold out there. And we won our first 56 straight games in there before we gave yeah. one away. And uh, John Thompson became famous, or more famous anyway. But, uh, you know, the <laughs> Dome turned out to be a good place for us, but we had a great place, see, and we had great fans. We have great fans. We go to play at Georgetown, we have more Syracuse people there than Georgetown does normally. So same in New York, same in Boston. So we have great fans, and that's super important. And all your schools, you know, have great fans. Kansas, without question, is is would be high up there for me, uh, in terms of their fans, uh, and their fan base. But uh, you know, you've got a good list there. Um, that's a that's a pretty strong list. Uh, toughest Duke's yeah, one of the toughest places. Hey,
3: Providence, Providence fans are nuts on Twitter.
2: Yeah, they're Providence, nuts Providence, Providence fans are insane. The, they used to get on me there from the first time I walked out. I mean, I, even before, I think they were yelling at me before I got out there. You know, they knew I was coming out. They were yelling at me, yeah. and luckily we had we won a lot there, so I didn't mind it that much. But it was those nice. It's not a nice little Catholic school there. I mean, they're
3: they're hey, just- quick, yeah. Quick quick story about Duke. You you reference Duke. I said something stupid my in my freshman year. They're like, is it going to bother you, all the Cameron crazies and the noise? And I was like, no, it's just noise. It's not going to bother me. They're not on the floor. It doesn't matter. Coach, Jeff, these dudes cooked me. And here's the thing. They knew who we lost to my senior year in high school at the state tournament. They knew my previous two girlfriends prior to the one I had then at the time. They called them out. They said both my parents, Tony and Lena, were disappointed. It called them out by name. And here's the thing. In the front row, there's a girl named Madison Burke, who I went to middle school with. She gave them all the information. It's your own people. It's your own people. <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it's unbelievable. They knew They knew everything. They knew my high school coach's name, where I went to middle school. They knew everything because I said it wasn't a big deal. That little dirt sheet, realize- phenomenal, phenomenal. <laughs> you
2: realize that those kids, those fifth. 50- 800 kids that are jumping the whole game are going to head their own company someday, someplace, and their their parents head their own company someday, someplace, and then they're, they're jumping up and down when they're playing. Nobody. They're still jumping up and down the whole game. And in fact, every time I meet a girl, a girl or guy that went to Duke, that's you know that's doing well in the world, I say, yeah, you went to Duke, but did you jump the whole game? And they've all told me no. They, I may, they may be lying, but they've all said, no, I didn't do that. So one girl heads up a billion dollar company. And I, I asked her, I said, really, did you? Do-? No, I didn't do that. I said, all right, all right.
1: <laughs> well, the med students. Yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're elite. I was just there about a week and a half ago, and, I, you know, I learned a lesson. Down. You can't even get in. You can't even get in when you sit media-wise. you got to hop the table. Well, how about, about when
2: they have to tie people? you in with a rope? They rope the students together so that they get them. <laughs> No, there's, there's really no place quite like
1: that. It Jim, think. give me your favorite story, if you can, from Big East uh, meetings, coaches meetings. There had to be a <laughs> great untold story with all you guys there, and, and there were a lot of big personalities in those meetings.
2: I, you know, I can't even repeat any, even part of the things that were said there. But John came. John tops so much. You know, he always said the weather was bad, even though it was 90 degrees and sunshine everywhere. And He didn't like to come to the meetings. But he'd come once in a while, and, you know, he was there one year with me, Rolly, of course, Louis Konseca, PJ, Carlos Morrick, Patino, Williams, Jim Calhoun. So you got about six guys basketball hall of fame and you got about eight guys that are crazy right there and we'd have meetings we'd start at eight and it would go to about six o'clock at night and we'd be arguing about every official in the league one year we voted on the top 12 officials and three guys had to vote to to knock a guy out and four guys or more voted on all 12 guys being out of the league they're gone <laughs> I, I remember saying, and Lou said, Lou kind of said, said well, who's going to ref? We we just voted out the top 12 refs. And we're talking about <laughs> Tim Timmy, Hay, guys that did multiple, multiple Final Fours. And they're, you know, people like that. You know, so, you know, but we had meetings and Dave Gavitt was so smart. He put us in the room, but he wouldn't come in. He let somebody else come in from the league. <laughs> well, he knew.
1: Yeah, he knew you bitch at him the whole time. No,
2: he knew. We It was nothing but four-letter words the first two hours, and it was brutal. I mean, it was brutal. And you had years where one coach, Roley, one year was mad at Paul Evans for something in recruiting, and he got up and said something. Then Paul got up, and then Roley came right up on the table next to him. Trying. And then that night at dinner, Dave Gavitt, sits Rowley and Paul Evans at the same table for dinner because he's not going to have this. Or he puts yeah. the same two guys in a golf cart for afternoon golf. And Dave was a genius. He was the best I've ever seen. He would The NCAA would not be in the position they're in today if there was a guy like Dave Gavin around. They need somebody that understands basketball. You know, Mike Krzyzewski could do that. They'll never give that power to somebody. But we need somebody that can help our game before it's too late, and uh, Dave Dave Gavitt, you know, he could have done that. He was an absolute genius, and, you know, look at it this way. He put together a league that none of us wanted to be in, and and in three years, we had the best league in the country after years of ACC, Big Ten, Southeast. We were the best league in the country in three years. That's how smart he was, how he put it together. He made you play in Madison Square Garden. He made you play in big arenas, and he – the, the athletic directors know we're not going to, like Georgetown, we're not going to go and play downtown. We want to play on our campus. And then at the end of the meeting, Dave Gat would release a statement Georgetown is playing all their games downtown in the camp center. And that was it. It was done. And, you know, and he would just do what needed to be done. And you just don't have that today. You have administrators oh, yeah, you're right. You have to do. Decisions, nobody made those decisions today to really help the game of college basketball, and, and we still have a great game. Luckily, I mean it's still great. We have a great game. We're going to have a great season. We're going to have a great tournament. It's going to be a great tournament at the end of the year, and it's just one of those things. It's a little bit like the NFL. You can't screw it up. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. It's to, those last, things. Last are thing make.
1: before I let you go. Last thing. Do you miss it? Do you miss coaching?
2: I'm shocked I I not even a little bit I'm shocked I go to practice just to say hello to red and the coaches they're doing a great job um, changing things that had to be changed but after about 20 minutes in practice I'm going like boy I'm glad I can go home right now and I'm I'm surprised but I think I stayed long enough to to get to not have that regret I talked to a lot of coaches including Dean Smith including a lot of guys that said you know we, we left a little too soon. We should have stayed a little longer. And I listened to that, and I, I stayed long enough. I, I'm not going to say it was too long or not long enough or whatever, but I, I'm i surprised I'm that I, I'm happy to still talk about the game. I hope to do some games because uh, I love the game, uh, be involved in the game a little bit. But I just I really don't miss it. Uh, I guess if you do something for 47 years, you're – I think you're entitled not to to miss it at that point in time. Yeah.
1: That's a long time. That's a long time. But well, we, listen, we appreciate you coming by. We we hope you'll do it again. I know you're doing some ESPN stuff, and you'll start uh, this week uh, with the worldwide leader. But we'll we'll have you back anytime. It was great to have you. Uh, field well, State after dark, Jim Beheim, the Hall of Famer, Terrence. I appreciate Oglesby. it.
2: I appreciate That's it, and young. thanks for the. I got just enough money for this to have dinner with my wife tomorrow night. Maybe, maybe I'm not Absolutely. sure.
1: Absolutely. Hey, well, the checks in the mail.
2: <laughs> I'm out of <a> budget now.
1: <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Field the 68 after dark.